most men are more comfortable with bargaining than women. You find that men will say, I want this, that, the other, when it comes to pay increases, when it comes to, you know, op- career opportunities, they tend to speak out more than women. We would sit, tend to sit back and hope that we are seen and appreciated. And sometimes in the, you know, in, in the environment that we're working in, which can be quite hostile, you, you get put to one side. So my advice is that be good at what you do, definitely. Make sure that you are top of your game. Welcome to the Big Careers Small Children podcast, formerly known as Leaders with Babies podcast. My name is Verena Hefti. I am the CEO and founder of the social enterprise Leaders Plus and your host today. I've set up this podcast and our working Leaders Plus fellowship program because I really want to give you access to inspiration and that practical support because it can be a really lonely place to continue to harbor very ambitious career dreams whilst bringing up your children. And I'm doing this because I want to give you what you need so you can progress your career in a way that works for you. Because I believe we need to have more leaders who are diverse and that includes women and supporting parents to progress is really important in order to get more of a diverse um, senior leadership team in all sectors. So yeah, today's podcast guest is Sylvia Opara. A couple of episodes ago we were talking about how to reach out to people on LinkedIn and she was actually uh, somebody who I reached out originally on LinkedIn um, as a result of something we both commented on. She is a senior leader in a very male-dominated sector in construction and as group HR director she sees behind the scenes when it comes to work arrangements, pay negotiations and supporting parents and she is very honest about what she sees and about the advice that she gives to you, the listeners, who are ambitious parents with children, um, about how to na- navigate the work of work um, from her perspective, not just as Group HR director, but also as a as a mother. She's actually a mother of four, and her youngest has, uh, is only just turned one, I believe, and she's just returned to work, so she really knows what we're talking about and she's very supportive I actually had my baby on my lap while I was recording this conversation and she couldn't have been more supportive my baby was ill and decided that my lap was the only place he wanted to be and the nanny was definitely not where he wanted to spend his time so yeah the editors have done a wonderful job at editing out baby noises but there may be the occasional snort or gurgle which I can show you it's not it's not a noise that Sylvia or I have produced but it's uh, my little baby who's been very cute um, throughout the recording and I have noticed that over the last few episodes we've gained a lot of new listeners so a really warm welcome to you uh, please do get in touch introduce yourself on social media um, at leaders underscore plus and as our existing listeners know you're always welcome to get in touch with me also via LinkedIn just find me on Fidina Hefti I really enjoy hearing from you and it's so lovely thank you so much to everyone who has got in touch via LinkedIn to to say hi and also if you want I guess a more of a a a more tangible community of like-minded peers of parents who are ambitious at work and want to progress their leadership careers 
then definitely check out the Leaders Plus Fellowship Program, which I set up. We do have some hardship fund spaces available. Every year, 10% of spaces go to people in challenging financial circumstances. So don't let the money put you off in any shape or form. You'll get a senior leader mentor, a supportive community um, of people who are really passionate about their work, really want to progress, and believe it's not right that nowadays you have to choose between small kids and big careers. Um, but also who want to do things differently from previous generations and, and you know, are, in the words of one of our previous fellows, are maybe rebels in some shape or form. So, yeah, if you're interested in joining that, then definitely look us up. Anyways, enjoy the conversation and hope you get a lot out of it, as I have myself. A very warm welcome, Sylvia, to the podcast. I am really, really thrilled that we have this chance to chat properly. Why don't we start with you introducing who you are, who is in your family and what you do for work? Okay, well, my name is Sylvia Parra. Um, I'm, I have four children aged between 14 and the youngest one is one years old. I am the head of HR for a group of companies called Allendale group of companies we are in the construction business and we provide um, construction services for quite large and prestigious projects around the UK actually also we've got a few projects now in in Europe so Denmark and Belgium and so forth Austria and you you mentioned when we spoke initially that uh, how many women are there where you work and how many men roughly right roughly about I would say probably about 15 women if we're going to count the site the, the site staff however at head office we probably have about six or seven now men we have a head office possibly about 40 and then on site we have a region of about nearly three four hundred men wow so so almost one woman for seven men more more or less i haven't done the math exactly but yes yes it's probably more than that actually yeah because the nature of what we do in construction and we do logistics a lot of it's physical labor and physical activities so it's not, it's not attractive to a lot of women although there's, a, there's been an increase in women coming into construction and i've been getting involved with um, i'm not sure if you've heard about the mayor of london's construction academy we sit down together on a monthly basis to kind of discuss issues in construction. And one of the issues that we've, uh, we've tried to bring to the forefront is the issue of um, the lack of women representation within the industry. It's really good that you're doing this work championing more women, but also even more admirable that you are, because there are not that many women with children in leadership position, and you are the group mm. HR director there, aren't you? And, I am, yeah. And, yeah. and then also having that senior role in an environment that is so traditionally male is pretty impressive i was just interested do you did you always want to work in an environment like this or was it something that you slid into oh i definitely slid into this one <laughs> my background originally um, i'm an employment lawyer so i i've come from um, working in solicitors firms as an employment advisor. Then I realised after some years of doing that, that a lot of my clients were, were companies or organisations um, and I was dealing with what we call respondent work, which is basically trying to get companies and employers out of problems. And I thought, oh, hang on a minute, well, this, I'm sitting here trying to firefight, so to speak. Um, how about if I just go into the companies and, and advise them on how to do <laughs> some of this, it's predominantly ER 
employee relations issues. And then I went into consultancy. I then pro- progressed to work at, I did my master's in employment, employment studies and human resource management. I worked at, um, my first HR role was um, at London Met University. And I was working with the director of HR, you know, what we call the organizational department, OD department. And that gave me a real good insight in, in operational um, HR, which is basically working with unions, drafting contracts, which is something that I absolutely loved. And just to be able to combine the two, the employment aspect and HR aspect, I, I felt like I found my, my little niche, my forte, I found it. And then just through my consultancy work, I kind of stumbled across a client who happened to be a construction client. And then they said to me, look, you know, this is really what you to, to, to join us. And that's how I got into construction. So it wasn't, I was probably one of the many that were very skeptical about the construction industry and, and whether it was the right, in, I wouldn't, wouldn't have gone to university to work in construction as a woman. Mm. And so I've read this book in my book, The Authority Gap, about how women, uh, and the basic premise of it is that there's a lot of research that shows that women have to work so much harder, and I presume black women, which people on the podcast can't see, but you are a black woman, um, you know, have to work so much harder to be taken as an authority and taken seriously compared to men who can say the same thing and be immediately respected. And I just wondered what your experience of that was. What's your reflection on that? Well, absolutely. I mean, as as we kind of said earlier on, the, the, the industry it has a very traditional values and views, which which hasn't always kept on par with with changes in other industries. But in saying that, coming from the legal background, once again, that's another industry that's been quite it's quite traditional, and you, you do encounter um, racism and and prejudices within. I wouldn't say it's much different from construction back in those days when I started my career. However, I do feel that how um, advancements have been made in both of, both of those industries, in the legal profession and also in construction, somewhat slower in construction, I would say, but they're moving along the right track. And I have to, whilst, whilst there are fast improvements that still need to be made, I think it's important for us to give credit where credit is due and where, where we see the positive steps to appraise that. Otherwise, it becomes very disorientating and demoralising for, for for individuals within the organisations and within the companies. I do try. I mean, I, I'm involved in a lot of diversity and equality projects and um, and discussions. And a lot of the um, contractors, especially a lot of the main contractors that we work with, they take it quite seriously. So that's kind of the general background. In respect to my own personal experience. I would say yes. It's been challenging. It's been uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a black woman, professional woman. You have those different tiers that you have to um, deal with. However, I think the way I encountered it was to always stay focused, to to not let it be something that that puts me down. Um, to be good at what you do. I think if you are good at what you do, that will shine through. And I think, I think you're right. I think sometimes you've got to be even better than the rest to, to, to shine through. And that's the unfortunate um, circumstances of it to a certain degree. But I think the main thing is to just continue going and pushing. And, and I think you do get there. Mm. So, so if you are, for example, walking into a room and then 
other people have already taken, you know, the big seat at the top of the table and they interrupt you repeatedly in order then to mention the same thing that you said, but say it was their idea. I mean, I, I'm describing kind of the worst situations. You're saying, you know, you just try to not let you get down. Um, I mean, how do you interact with these situations? Do you, what's your advice? Do you just, should you just ignore that? Should you tackle it? It sounds like your workplace where you are now, you don't have these problems so much, but it sounds like you have worked with other workplaces in the past where there were challenges. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You you do you do have challenges. Um, I've encountered personal challenges where you've been in board meetings and comments are being made which are, you know, whether it's sexist or I, I do think you've got to make it clear that there's a there's a boundary. And obviously, being in HR, I suppose they're cautious anyway. Being around me, I'm not quite sure um, how some of them respond to um, um, employees. Being in HR, they tend to kind of behave themselves somewhat. But I, I have heard of stories where it's, ha- it's happened where comments are made, are made that are not appropriate. And I think it's important for women to, or for anyone who's encountering any form of discrimination, to make it clear: look, I'm not happy with this. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not comfortable in this space address it in that in that shape and if it's something that's that's more serious then to take it take it forward with you know, human resources or another senior manager that can deal with it i think it's to set the boundaries from the start um, and let them know where you stand i think it's really difficult sometimes to know when to take something to human resources and, and you're obviously human resources so you will have a biased view but there's something that i think about which is you really want to address this behavior where it happens and also you some people they are really scared of being seen as a troublemaker i hear that a lot and you want to also resolve it positively because sometimes people do things that are power play but they don't really notice it because they've been doing it since they were six years old um hmm what, what's your reflection on that yeah um my, my advice is always to try if you can and it obviously depends on how serious the situation that we're you know, the individuals facing is if you can deal with something informally that's usually the best route if you can say to an employee or colleague look you know you said this last time i let it go you said it again i'm gonna you know would you respect i'm gonna bring it up and tell you that it's not i'm not happy with it if that can be done then that's fine sometimes what you do find though is that it's not just the individual it's a culture and and sometimes the individuals themselves, they don't even know that they're doing it because it's part of a culture. And, and, and that's when I think it's important for senior management within organisations to be able to identify when this is happening and to what extent it's happening. And this is a role of my department to make sure that how we are um, not only sitting in, in our offices, but on the ground and finding out what's going on, whether it's questionnaires or doing walk rounds or just talking to people in this general interaction just try and find out well what is the culture here how do people actually feel about working here and if people are making statements that are not right whether it's discriminatory or even legally legally incorrect then we've got to try to address that um, and, and not just not just as a HR department, but as an organisation. Mm. I think there's always a thing of oh yeah let's take it to HR and HR will fix it but actually you are if you can't fix it on your own, can you? You do need those, the board behind you and the chief exec. Um, and do you have any 
reflections uh, on sorry I'm just realising I'm asking you all these questions which uh, I, for the podcast listeners I always send a very thorough thoughtful briefing in advance and then I always end up asking completely good, different questions so sorry <laughs> Sylvia um, we'll come to the other things in a minute but I'm just interested so hopefully the listeners will not have had experience sexist racist or even power play incidents but we all are going to work for a really long time and at some point in our careers we might experience these things so if you need to take something to HR what what's your tip how, how do you do it what information does HR need in order to deal with an issue before it even becomes a grievance Yes, if the issue becomes grievous, then you need to make sure that you, you're identifying incidents, actual specific incidents with names, dates and so forth. So what, what makes it difficult is for us to investigate an incident is when someone says, oh, generally, oh, this person said this. OK, well, when was this said? By who? And there isn't any detail. Unfortunately, that would hinder an investigation that we have to, con- we have to legally conduct before we can bring anybody to any form of disciplinary process as part of that process is to investigate and we need to have that information. So it's important that individuals take record of, of um, dates that things happened, what was said, anybody that was around and so forth. That would be useful for us to proceed with an investigation on the matter. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's really helpful. So I want to get back to you and your story and I'm really interested. So. I guess one thing that piqued my interest is that you have four children, which isn't that usual anymore. And I obviously have my third baby now, which is sleeping on my lap and making snoring no- noises. Uh, but even when I had the second, well, I I um, really wasn't sure about whether or not to have a third. And I uh, talked it through with my brother, who is an environmentalist, about whether it was ethically okay. And a lot of people I, I speak to say, two is enough, and why would you have a third? And then I also see a lot of my friends, as soon as I announced my pregnancy, a lot of friends came to me and said, oh, I've been thinking about a third. How come you decided, you know, should I have a third as well? I, I realized that there was this, this huge number of couples who were interested in, in having additional babies. And so I'm just interested, what went through your head? Um, did you always know you wanted a big family? Or when did you decide to have a third and then a fourth? I, I've always known I wanted a big family, but I also wanted a career. And... I'm of the mindset that I've said, I've said this to my colleague a couple of times. I said, oh, you, you can have it all. And everyone will look at me and say, what do you mean you can have it all? Surely, because you've never said that you can't have it all. That's, that's, the kind of, that's the general slogan that everybody knows. You, you can't have it all. But I believe you can. But I, the, the, the caveat there is, what is your all? What is your all? What, what, to you, what is having it all? And for me, having it all was to have the career and have the four children. However, I think one of the best career choices you can make is the partner that you choose and the reason why I say that is because having a partner that's supportive that is able to be your backbone so to speak someone that's able to be able to to help you need help to be a listening ear and so forth that is so important in the um, the dual role that we find ourselves as parents and, and professionals so and that was said to me by somebody who was an entrepreneur. And I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to live by that because, and luckily, you know, I found a partner who's, who's able to provide that support. And that's the only reason why I think personally that I haven't struggled as much because if I'm running late, between both of us, dinner will get done. 
kids will not starve. <laughs> you know, um, so that's, that's really important. Mm. So does your partner have a similar career to you or completely different? No, IT, IT, IT. So it's more consultancy work. So he's a bit more flexible. It's not really office, office based. So yeah. And how do you practically do it? Do, do all your children go to childcare? And how does it work? How, how do you make, I find three not easy. How do you make it work with four? Yeah, mother, mother dear. The decision that we made was to live near to mum. So when we were looking at houses and where to live, I said, well, I'm going to leave their mum. <laughs> it makes sense. So he's making all these little choices. You know, the option was to have a, a house probably more beautiful and more grand than what we have now, but further away and have childcare and pay for that and so forth. We made a decision and said, no, we have a, a mum's quite, she's an ex-teacher. She loves children. She was more than happy to, to have my kids. So the oldest one being 14, I've got 14 13, six and and one. And she's just been instrumental, absolutely a godsend. And I think having whether it's a parent, family member, or carer that you can trust that will do what you do in absence of you. That is so important. Um, and I can't overemphasize the 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 importance of making sure we, we all want our careers. And I know some people are going to turn around and say, oh, hang on a minute. We all want our careers. However, the safety and the affection and the security we give our children outside of that monetary aspect is very, very important. And for me, it's more important than, than the career. So I had to make sure that that was sorted before I pursued the other. And I think when you have that, sorted you feel you feel more liberalized or you, you have a liberty to now go out there and pursue your career without having that guilt and that you know oh I feel bad my kids are oh, miss parent evening and that is your kids are not going to want to know about your career when you're not there for the nativity play you know they're not going to they're not going to want to know why you, you couldn't attend and unfortunately um I have seen friends who haven't been able to, to juggle so hard and they struggle with it emotionally mm-hmm. I can imagine. and do you work you work full-time is that right I do I do yes I work one day from home though I work one day from home but I do I, I work full-time but the good thing is that ever since having my children I never started I've never started working at nine o'clock I always start work at 10. <laughs> since having my eldest son I've always started work at 10 o'clock I've never started I, I, I decided consciously that I wasn't going to have a job which made me be at work for nine because nine was my kids school run and if I wasn't going to make it for picking them up I was going to make it to drop them off <laughs> and the little conversations that you have in the playground you know the quick conversation you have with the teacher before you rush, rush off to work they have been invaluable. Mm. I think that was such a brave thing to do because now with Covid everyone says yes you know we all work flexibly and so on and so forth but Two years ago, that was not a done thing. Did you have to turn down any jobs? Or how did you, I mean, how did you tell people that you would just start work at 10 bosses at your interview? Well, yeah, I mentioned it at the interview. So I said, I need to start work at 10 o'clock. <laughs> I don't mind working later to make it up. But I introduced it from the onset. And if they were... I mean, I just see your facial expression while you're doing that. And there's just no guilt in it at all or no 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 
No, can I please? It's just like, yeah, I'm starting work from 10 o'clock. That's so interesting. And, hmm. So do you think you lost jobs as a result of those restrictions? No, I don't think I did. I think, I think possibly the, one of the reasons why I didn't lose jobs is because coming from the background that I've come from, being legally qualified, I think that's been something that has probably given me a little bit of an edge towards your standard HR professional. And I suppose in that sense, you had a little bit of, I don't know, just call it bargaining power or something. I don't know what to call it, but it's possible that that's the case. So I think the confidence of knowing that you are good at what you do, the confidence of knowing that you're coming to the table. One of the areas that we've observed in HR is, is the fact that how a lot of men, most men are more comfortable with bargaining than women you find that men will say, I want this, that, the other, when it comes to pay increases, when it comes to, you know, op- career opportunities, they tend to speak out more than women. We would sit, tend to sit back and hope that we are seen and appreciated. And sometimes in the, in, in the environment that we're working in, which can be quite hostile, you, you get put to one side. So my advice is that, be good at what you do, definitely. Make sure that you are top of your game. And have that specialism. Sorry to interrupt. But you mentioned like having a specialism and, and working ah. towards that. Even if you don't have it today, what specialism ah. are you going to have in it 10 years time something. that allows you to pick ah. and choose? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So basically, carve your space. Carve your space. Because sometimes we go for traditional um, roles. There's no reason why you can't amalgamate roles depending on what the economy wants be forward thinking I say I mean when I went into when I finished university and did law my view was that I was going to work in the law firm and be a practice solicitor however there was other um, attributes and skills that I had that I felt that wasn't really being utilized and I thought well business is definitely what I wanted to be in however how can I do it and when I saw the opportunity of doing employment law and using that in this way in HR and being able to kind of get involved strategically and help the decision-making of the organisation. I thought, this is really what I wanted to do. But when I was younger, there was no, you didn't, you know, you couldn't really understand that. You have to go through the processes sometimes. But yeah, so, yeah, be good at what you do. Don't be afraid to to um, amalgamate <laughs> skills and, you know, as long as the, the, the economy wants it, then it's fine. Mm. And you obviously sit at the other side of a lot of negotiations with new hires, being being HR. What what do you observe about the people who successfully negotiate either flexible working or pay? What have you learned that you didn't know before you took this job about negotiation? What I know is that um, I think there's a difference between the private sector and the public sector. Working in both, I can say that how with the public sector, there's a structure. And because they're somewhat a bit more accountable to, to governments and local authorities and so forth, sometimes the outward perceptions is a little bit more, for instance, you may have the, the pay structure, the grading structure. So it's kind of like you move up a scale. And I'm not saying you don't have that in private sector. However, with the private sector, I do find it's a little bit more, okay, well, we're going to increase you because you've hit this deal or you've missed that or we're, gonna, we're not going to push you because you've, you've missed that deal. And it's just a little bit more um, 
cutthroat, I would say, in, in, a, in the private sector. So in a way, you can move quite quickly up in the private sector if you know the right people, do the right things. Da, da, da. In the public sector, it could be a more slower growth, but, you, but you, you can look at it eventually because we have to follow a routine. So it just kind of depends. But I, I do think that how the difference between, between the two sectors Somewhat probably coming a little bit blurred now where we have public sectors now acquiring a lot of private sector type um, contracts type things. So, so for instance, we had the, 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 the issue with COVID recently, obviously, and we had the, the outsourcing of the call centres for the NHS. And there were, the argument there was, well, if you had given it to the NHS, it would have done better. Why, why did you give it to a private company? And we spent all that money, money and we didn't get the, the test and trace. And apparently there was an issue there about whether or not it was right to be NHS, whether it was right to be private. And you can see there's a difference in how money is spent, how people are rewarded. <laughs> and and that, that kind of ties in, isn't it, with the negotiations you know, on, on an individual basis. Mm, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Coming back to your your story as a parent, uh, you've just returned to work for the fourth time after maternity leave. Can you share how that was and what you've learned from your pre three previous returns to work that you've now applied with your with your fourth? What what, are, what have you done differently? I think this, this this maternity leave was quite a unique one because obviously with the COVID, I had baby right in the middle of lockdown, and I was. I want to be quite frank and say I didn't really have a maternity leave. <laughs> the reason being, it was very difficult to stay totally away from the workplace at a time where the services of HR was 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 paramount. Companies didn't know what to do. It was a new, it was a new environment. It was a new situation. I mean, how many of us have, have lived through a pandemic? So there was a lot of things that, that I had to get on with during the time that I was meant to be on maternity leave, in inverted commas. So really, I, I wouldn't say I had one. I, I was working throughout. I had my baby. <laughs> Within a couple of weeks, I was back on the phone, back on the emails. Okay, what's happening here? Who's got COVID? Who hasn't? Doing policies. It was, I wouldn't recommend it. But however, you know, I was happy to do it. I was happy to kind of do what needs to be done for us, for us to get through this, that stage. Mm, definitely it sounds tough and it sounds like you've had a lot of resilience going going through that yeah it was it was a difficult time but there's no one it's not one cloth that fits all it depends on what you can do don't let it stress you out if it's too much just say no I can't I mean I could have said no I'm not gonna shorten my maternity leave or work just two weeks after having my baby but I, I was happy to do it because yeah, I had I, I had gave birth my fourth time round. Probably <laughs> I'm a pro at this time, so I got on with it. First time mother, could I have done it? Maybe not. Very true. And if you look back on your career now, you had to give advice to your your daughter. You do have daughters, I presume. In four, there's a good chance that you have have a daughter. You have yeah, a daughter, two. yes. So I've got two daughters and two boys. Two oh, sons. excellent spread. So, so if you had to give, you know your top three practical pieces of advice if your daughter wanted to pursue a similar career to yours and wanted to be in a director level role with young children what would be your top three practical things that you would advise her to do i will say once again make sure you choose the right 
life partner. That's going to be a help to you. I'm not saying to somebody. I'm not saying you know life partner in respect to wealth or anything. Just in respect to somebody who's going to support you emotionally in every way possible because you're going to need that if you want to when you want to start a family and if you want to do so and have a career you're going to need that more so don't believe that you can do it all alone because you simply can't and if anyone's telling you that you can then i would question that person i'd question that that thought and it's okay it's okay to to say i need help it's okay to to look for that help and whether it's family members whether it's you know getting a private nanny whatever the case may be it's okay to ask it's okay to get the help as long as the children are safe and they're not being in any way shaped neglected and it's okay second thing i would say is to make sure you focus on you look after yourself look after your mental well-being develop yourself because sometimes we negate neglect ourselves and we kind of give to our employers we give to our children we give to everybody else and we're not giving back to ourselves so that's important never 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 um, get to a position where you're just giving them even back so and then so how do you look after yourself well you look after yourself professionally you make sure that how you are doing things to upskill yourself you're doing things to stay in the know in your profession even if you're on maternity leave, you're away from the work environment, there's no reason why you can't continue watching, you know, things about, you know, just keep yourself up, updated. Sometimes you have them that say, oh, well, I know there's a discussion about this pay gap, gender pay gap. And I have two views on this. Yes, it does exist. But also, it may exist because you choose, rightly so, not to be in, be in, the, <laughs> in, 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 in the race. And that's fine. You don't want to rush back to work and go for that career and so for you and you want to take a step back and do it. Don't ever feel pressurized, whether it's from a positive perspective, oh, you know, as a woman, you should be able to get this and that and the other, or from a negative one, oh, you're a woman, so you can't do this, you can't do that, or whatever it is, a man, or whatever the case is. Don't ever feel pressurized by stigmas in society. Always look for what you want and what suits you and your family. I will say thing to think about is screen organizations and um, ask questions if you go into a new job ask them what facilities do you have regarding you know work and family life balance and so forth because in doing that you're kind of helping yourself by putting your plate putting yourself in the, in, the, in the right environment to begin with some employers are very clear it's very clear from maybe sometimes the marketing that they, they put out or in discussions with some of their staff, or and you actually can have stuff like is it is there forums where people kind of put advice on companies and what companies are, you know, what their experiences are. If you're looking for a job, especially if it's a senior position, do your homework. And um, you don't want to jump out of the frying pan into a fire. So mum always says to me, you want to make sure that how you are going to the right next job and so forth. So so there's always the different little things to think about, but the main thing I would say is definitely don't feel guilty. Don't feel like you have to meet a standard and make sure you look after yourself in the process. Mm. And that's very powerful advice coming from you who is obviously in a senior role and, and is still, still still, doing that, even though, as you say, it was extremely tough and it's not always easy, but you are, you are doing it. 
and you're still you're still standing would you choose it again or do you think part of you at some point do you fantasize about having you know being on an island with your children or being a stay-at-home mother sometimes do you, does that ever cross your mind no it doesn't cross my mind if I didn't enjoy what I was doing I wouldn't do it so I absolutely enjoy it but then I also People will say to me, they look at me and I've got too much energy. I've just, <laughs> I'm not a stay-at-home mother. I could not do that. I, you know, I would <laughs> really go crazy. So you know yourself and you know your natural disposition, so to speak. So if you're somebody who's, who's a busy bee like me, I enjoy keeping busy. Even if I'm at home, I'm reading a book or doing something else. I love being busy. Um, even with my kids, I'm like, okay, right, piano lesson, right, ballet lesson, this person does that lesson. So uh, it's like a regimental <laughs> process in my house. But but we we have fun. That's the main thing. And, and we enjoy we enjoy each other's company. That's that's the main thing. Mm, that That is very valuable. And sometimes you just do need those moments of fun, even if it's just for two minutes, where you all dance in the living room to some really silly music and everyone is loving their heads off that. I think that is what makes family, ah. isn't it? Wonderful. So we've come to the end of this. Unless there's anything else that you wanted to say that we haven't covered yet? No, not at all. Not at all. Um, I, I was going to say thank you very much for having me. Yeah, and um, it's been a lovely discussion. Likewise. And if people want to connect with you or find out more about you, where would they find out about you? Well, I'm on LinkedIn, so they can always search me on LinkedIn under my name, I guess, Silvio Parrot. Um, or Allendale group of companies they can find some information about them there great and keep up championing women in those male dominated environments I think it's, that is what we need more buildings built by women I think not that men wouldn't do wonderful jobs but we just it brings another another um, dimension dimension absolutely thank you so much for having lovely chatting thank you so much for listening it's really wonderful that you've stayed with us for the length of the conversation if you listen to this and you enjoyed it please let me know and share it with your friends uh, you can get in touch at legis underscore plus or with me directly Felina hefty on linkedin and if you're listening to this and would like to consider applying for the next quarter of the leaders plus fellowship program then please go to leadersplus.org.uk forward slash register interest um, where you can put your name down so that you'll be the first to know about the the fellowship and the applications opening in spring. Next year we are going to have only one cohort for people in leadership roles because we're working on another exciting project. So it might be worth getting your name down early on. So yeah, I think the only other thing I was going to say is if you are looking for any practical support, for example, how to do flexible working or how to negotiate your boundaries or how to do any of that, again, there are quite a few handy guides on the website. If you go to the resources section, that might help you if you have any any challenges. But if, if there's a topic that you'd really love to have us write something about or pull all the expertise of our mentors, then please get in touch and let us know because we can quite easily do that because we've got such a brilliant community of mentors who we can just put a question out there and they'll give us all the advice and then we can digest that into something readable for you all which hopefully should be useful. So thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week. Until next time.